right, it's Little Things First here. This is Jim Martin. This is Tracy Vandy Venter at Little Things First Podcast. Yeah. Tracy, how you doing? I'm doing so well. It's a beautiful day. I feel lucky. Um, it's just a good, good day. Yeah, that's great. That's a good attitude, especially uh, <laughs> right about now with everything going <laughs> well, on. And 2020 is almost over. It's true. It's true. Um, who are we talking to today? Today we're talking to Matthew Moyer, who is the um, National Distinguished Principal of the Year in Pennsylvania. He also was the Pennsylvania Principal of the Year, and he is at Rupert Elementary. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to I him. I know, me too. I love talking to real real people. So let's give him a call and hear about his progress at his school. Hello. Hi, is this Matt? It is. Now, do you go by Matt or Matthew? Matt. Matt. Thank you very much, Matt. This is Tracy Vandeventer. We are so grateful you've taken time to talk with us today. And I'm here with my co-host, Jim Martin. Hi, Matt. Hello. Nice to meet you. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So we usually start off by just asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves. So maybe you can tell us a little, little bit about your background and what brought you to this day. Sure. So, uh, I, so where I'm at now is I'm an elementary school principal. So I, uh, you know, decided I wanted to go into teaching in high school, um, uh, after, uh, considering a couple of other options, went to college, got my, uh, teaching degree and taught fifth grade for a while at a school district, you know, pretty close to home. And then, um, you know, during my time of teaching, um, I kind of wavered back and forth between being a principal and not being a principal. Uh, you know, uh, at first I thought that's something I want to do. And then I thought, oh, no, I don't want to do that. And then after a while, I worked in a couple different buildings in the, in the district. And I worked for some good people and some nice people. But there were some things that uh, principals did that I didn't necessarily agree with. And I <laughs> thought that uh, I can sit back and complain about that or I can go do something. And uh you know, I decided I would go do something instead of complaining about it. I would go be a principal and hopefully do the things the way I felt were, were better. And so I did that. Um, so I got my uh, master's degree in education and certificate. And um, a few months after I got that, I landed a job as an assistant principal um, at a different district. Spent three years there uh, working with a, a really good group of people, a great elementary school. Elementary school assistant principal jobs are not very plentiful in this area. So I was really fortunate to find a school that had that because I was able to work with a principal who had a lot of experience and taught me a lot. And going from the classroom to a principal position is really hard. And going from the classroom to assistant principal position and working with a a really good principal uh, helped me out tremendously. So I spent uh, three years there. And then um, a job opened up in the district I grew up in at a different elementary school. And I interviewed for that. And during the process the school that I went to, that job opened up as well. And they said, hey, Matt, you're a candidate for that job, too. And so I was fortunate enough to get hired as the principal at the school that I attended as a child. And uh, wow. I've been there ever since. <laughs> so Are some of the same my, teachers there. That's my question. <laughs> they were when I got there. So when I got there, and this is, this is now my, uh, I'm in my 16th year there. So when wow. I first got there, 
Um, the building looked identical to when I went to school there. Um, no changes um, at that time. And um, there were a couple of teachers still there. My kindergarten teacher was still there. She was teaching first grade. And my music teacher was there. And then a couple other teachers I didn't have, but that were there. And then not long after I got there, uh, most of them retired a few years ago. The last of the Mohicans was my music teacher. And she <laughs> was a wonderful teacher. And she always loved it. I'm winking if you can see me, but she loved it at, at the start of every concert when I made sure everyone knew that she was one of my teachers. Um, wow. But she was, she was a great lady, a great music teacher. I was sad to see her uh, retire because she did a wonderful job. But uh, yeah, so the, the, uh, some of the folks that were there when I was there uh, hired me and um, they were part of the process. So, you know, I think that they, uh, I must have done something okay because they, 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 they helped hire me. Is it because they had some blackmail stories about you when you were in first grade? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't have any real getting in trouble in school kind of stories that, that I can recall. So, no, they, uh, they must have saw something in me that they thought was, uh, was okay. So, that's awesome. I, great. That's a great story. I'm glad that's awesome that you're back there. And that must be a real, um, pride in the community to have you back there as the principal, I'm sure. I, I mean, it, it is um, something I'm very proud of, you know, serving my community. And the community has changed since I uh, went to school there. So when I went to school, um, it's a little town called Pottstown, Pennsylvania. I'm sure most people never heard of it. Um, uh, we do have some claims to fame. Uh, we made uh, steel for the Golden Gate Bridge and uh, Mrs. Smith Pies started there. My dad worked for Mrs. Smith Pies and so, uh, in, in town until they, they left town, like all the other businesses like Bethlehem Steel and, and, and that. And when they left town, um, the town become, became a high poverty area. Right. So the school, when I went to school, there was a lot of blue collar workers. And now 100% of the children that attend my school get free lunch. Huh. Um, so that gives you an indication of the level of poverty in the town. So it creates some challenges, but I love what I do. I love where I'm at. I love, you know, giving back to the community that, yeah. uh, you know, I grew up in and the school is a few blocks from my, my childhood home. And for a while until my mom passed, she was actually a volunteer at the school and helped out in first grade and, and helped work with kids to help them learn letters and sounds and read with them and all that kind of good nice. stuff. So did I hear you right? You said you've been there 16 years. Yes. That yes. is in itself, I think, unusual. Often when we talk with people, uh, especially people who have been award winners, they have been at a number of schools. They sort of go to a school, they're there for like five years, and then they get moved to the next school that, you know, the district wants them to help work with. So um, has, that, has that been an easy 16 years? Do you feel like it's been a pretty transformational experience? Like you've had, you know, lots of challenges along the way. How has that been? Well, uh, so to, to, the first part is, yes, it's very unusual. Before I got there, the longest they had a principal for numerous principals before me was three years. And because I grew up in the town, I happened to know it was like the guy before me was three years. The one before him was three yeah. years and they had a person for a year. So the ongoing joke when I first got there was, okay, you know, Matt, are you going to make it to three years? And then when you, you know, when I made it to three years and then six years and then nine years. So I, you know, I, yeah. uh, I'm the old head around uh, the district and stuff. And it's, it's very uncommon in any, uh, I think any job these days to stick around that long. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been, it, it has been, you know, it has been very interesting, you know, and when I first got there, I had a, a, a big steep learning curve um, about working with children from poverty because I really hadn't spent much time doing that. The other districts I was at um, didn't, 
uh, didn't have high poverty and things. And so um, I've learned a lot over my my time. Um, and, you know, what's really uh, great for me is, and one of my big philosophies that I'm sure I'll talk more about has to do with building relationships and relationships are, are everything. Um, and, uh, you know, being here for a while, I have, you know, their siblings and parents and grandparents and, you know, cause we have grandparents day and aunts and uncles. And I know, I know the community, I know the families, I know the, Oh, I, you know, your brother was here a couple of years ago, or, you know, um, I know your mom from when we went to school together, or, uh, you know, your, yeah. your, uh, your, you know, your grandmom has had other grandchildren here, so I know her and those kinds of things. So all those connections have been wonderful and helpful um, to help, you know, move us along and, and you know, move me along uh, to, to being a little bit better than I was yesterday. Yeah. Now, if you think about it, you had a slight leg up because you knew the community because you had been there. But I'm, I'm curious when you talk about relationships are, are so crucial, what advice would you give to a principal who is moving into a new school, especially a principal maybe who didn't have experience working with kids uh, in high poverty areas? What advice would you give to a principal about here's how you could start building those relationships? Well, I think the biggest thing that any uh, anyone can do is to listen more, far more than they talk. Often we listen to respond and, and that's not what you, you want to do. You want to listen and really listen and be invested in people and ask a lot of questions and get those answers to things um, and look for the sometimes what people don't say says a lot as well. Yeah. And understanding that, you know, in poverty, for example, there's a whole different culture of generational poverty that's very hard for people that are in the middle class to understand. So if you're working in poverty, you really need to understand that generational poverty culture and, um, you know, uh, get to know and understand how that is, which is different from, you know, the middle class, like how I uh, grew up. And as, as a principal, um, you, you know, you're in the, in the middle and have to build rapport and relationships with all kinds of people, you know, the parents, the teachers, the assistants, the upper level administration, colleagues, you know, all those people. It's all, and I say it's all about relationships. It is. That's how you can, that's how you can get, uh, things, things done, you know, that's how right. you achieve things. Um, and so, you know, that the advice that I would give that I learned from, you know, a great mentor I had is to ask a lot of questions, um, and get those, all those answers before you make any decision to move forward, mm -hmm. because I would call, uh, you know, he was my mentor, my boss, my boss. And I remember this very, very clearly my first, you know, couple of years, I would call him looking for him to tell me what to do when I had a situation. And inevitably he would ask me 20 questions that I'd need to get the answer to. And then I come back to him with that information and we talk through it. Mm -hmm. Well, you learned after a little while, get all those answers first, <laughs> find all that out first, because this is what it takes to make a good decision. I was right. very, very fortunate to work for someone who was very wise and, and, and taught me a lot. Um, and that's just one of the things, but that's very important for any, anyone in a leadership position. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering, um, you know, actually some of the people that we have talked to have been in their schools for a short period of time, but others have been there a longer period of time and like yourself, and then they've ended up have, seeing the success that you've been able to see. Has that success come more recently or was, did it happen earlier on? Do you attribute that perhaps to your longevity at the school? Uh, I mean, I think we've had different success in different areas um, over the time. You know, uh, early on, uh, we had some more success in, 
you know, the standardized testing realm and, and things along those lines. And some of those things have changed, some demographics and things have changed, and the testing has changed here in Pennsylvania. Um, and so those, you know, uh, those kinds of things, um, you know, were early on. And then, you know, as I move forward, I also, I think I would say my definition of success is, is different as well, because one of the things that, uh, that I find very rewarding and successful is, you know, seeing my students that I had at my school as they get older and as they graduate. And, um, you know, we have a, a system in place where uh, seniors can invite an honored get two honored guests that, that uh, either were a teacher or an assistant or someone to graduation. And I've been invited a few times um, by students, and that means the world to me. That is success right there. Yeah, if a yes. child that I haven't seen since they were in uh, fourth or fifth grade um, invites me to graduation because they feel I made an impact on them, then to me, I feel very successful. And uh, that's that's more success. That means more to me than any other uh, awards or uh, you know test scores or whatever the case may be. You know, many schools that work with uh, high poverty communities, they have trouble with retaining teachers and, main, you know, kind of keeping people in the building. And you made kind of a quick reference to the last of the Mohicans for the group that was there when you were going to school. But you've now been there long enough, I assume. You've had a really big role in deciding who's coming to your building. And I'm curious about how has that been over time and are they choosing to stay? Wow, that's a great that's a great question. So I have been very fortunate in that uh, the vast majority of my teachers, with a small exception of just a, a small number of them, I have hired, and um, that's uh, that's uh, a great thing for me because one of the things that I think is important is you know philosophically, are you in the right place? To, I can teach you lots of things about how to be a better teacher, mm -hmm. but I can't. Um, I can't help you with some of those things that are like, if you don't know how to play nice with others, if you don't know how to work collabor collaboratively with other teachers and things. I can't really help you with that very much. It's very hard to teach a, an adult those things. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to hire people that have been philosophically uh, in alignment with, uh, with my beliefs and what we, what we feel is really important. And um, as far as retaining teachers, you know, we do have those challenges. Um, I feel like more so than some other buildings in the district and some other places, we've done a pretty good, I've, I've done a pretty good job of trying to retain teachers. We do lose teachers because as a high poverty area, we can't afford to pay them as well as some other places. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there are some folks that, that stick around for a little bit and then get some experience and then parlay that into a, a new job at a new district that pays better. But we have a lot of people that are committed to the mission. And, you know, that kind of commitment, um, you know, that's why I stay, um, because I'm committed to the mission. I'm committed to the where we're at. And I have a lot of teachers that do that. They do. They're they're amazing. And I know that there's lots of wonderful teachers out there. I would say that mine are the best, um, the people that have been around, but of course, every principal would say that I'm yeah. sure, but they are so committed. They just do and do and do for kids that you can't imagine. And so, you know, when you get those kinds of people who are philosophically in alignment with, with how I feel about things and how I believe about things, they don't often leave because they're committed to the kids. And that's why we stay because we believe in the kids we work with and we, and we love them and we want to, you know, feel like we're making a difference. And, you know, I've worked in a couple different places and they're all great districts and had great teachers, but I feel like where I'm at now and the teachers that, that stick around feel the same way is, you know, we're making a big difference here. I know in other places I've worked, um, I could have been subpar 
And um, it wouldn't have made that much of a difference because the child had all these um, family support systems in place. But yeah. where I work now, uh, unfortunately, some of the kids don't have that. And the reason they are successful or not successful has a lot to do with what we do. And that feels good and feels very important and feels like we're you know, serving a pretty big pur- purpose. That's great. Tracy and I have uh, talked to some award winners in the past, and we we sort of have this conversation about the fact that sometimes successful principals, successful teachers have a difficult time talking about the the nitty gritty, you know, what got them there to that success. And so uh, I'm just wondering, you've mentioned relationships as being vital. You've mentioned your longevity. Uh, what else would you attribute to the success of uh, your principalship at, at your school? I mean, I think you need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is kids. Um, You know, there's, you know, in my time, as I'm sure you guys know, the pendulum swings this way and that way. And there's this new thing and that new thing. And those are all good, good and great things. Um, But when you keep the kids front front and center, and um, unfortunately, right now, we don't really have any children in the building because of all the virtual uh, learning and so on. But in a normal school year, you know, I'm out with the kids and and connecting with the kids and being in in the classrooms. And so I think to be successful, you have to remember, like you have to remember what you're there for. Um, And I think that gets hard sometimes for people, um, especially people who don't work directly at a school building, you know, people who who move up uh, into other administrative positions, they get disconnected from kids and you need to stay connected with kids and keep them the main thing. Like what's in the best interest of this child and children are more than just, uh, the vessel to teach you reading and math, you know, uh, it, there's a whole, the, the whole child matters and, and their social emotional needs matter and all those things. So when, when you keep the focus on the kids and what's important for each individual kid and what would you want if that was your own child or more importantly, how would you want that if that were you? And sometimes we forget that. Like if yeah. I were in this situation, um, how would I want to be treated right. or what would I want done or how would I want to be helped and, and so on. I mean, you keep those things front and center and keep the, the kids front and center. I think that uh, that helps people to uh, when you have the hard days or you have the stressful times or you have the challenges that can that that, um, you know, focus on why are we here um, matters a lot. Right. Yeah. A good dose of time in a kindergarten classroom can go a long way towards reminding you why you're there, right? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> uh, even the virtual, which I, I I get into the virtual classrooms, every classroom every day is my uh, my goal. And I, I hate it most days, but not every day. But when you get into a virtual classroom of kindergartners, I've, I've had virtual lunch with some kindergartners uh, <laughs> the other week. And it's just hysterical to hear the things they say and and, yeah. and, and things, even virtually. So you're totally right. And it's good for the spirit to, to right. get in there and spend some time with kindergartners. Right. Right. I want to follow up on that for a minute. You said every classroom every day. Do, was that Has that always been your philosophy? Have you tried to get into every classroom every day when you, you were in person, for example? Um, so in person, absolutely. Um, so has it always been my philosophy? Uh, when I, when I got to Potsdam and became the principal, it became my philosophy. And, and again, I had a great mentor who, you know, wanted, wanted us to do that. And I knew other people didn't, but I did. And then as I did it more, it became a part of me. So when I was assistant principal, I was at a much bigger school and I probably could have got to every classroom every day, but I didn't. But yes, now um, even before virtual learning, every classroom every day is, is my um, my goal. And most days I get there, but some days you get bogged down with meetings or something happens and you, you know, 
you know how it is. Some days you go in with your plan, you're going to do A, B, and C, and you don't get to any of those things because something happens and then you spend your whole day mm-hmm. on something else. But um, the teachers know, uh, the kids know that they're going to see me, and um, that's that's an important thing. And they and I tell them all the time for the for the teachers, um, you can ignore me completely when I walk in the room, and that's a okay. Or you can acknowledge me in some way, and that's a okay too. Um, I'm not coming in to bother what you're doing. I'm coming in to see what's happening. And, and so because I get into the classrooms, you know, every day, I'm, uh, I shouldn't be ever be surprised by what teachers are, are doing and how well they're doing it because I know I see it and yeah. they know that they know that I see those things. So, um, that's a piece of advice I would give to every single principal is you should make that your goal. Yeah. Um, and it, and if it's not, I don't know why. And I did work for principals who, you know, I worked in, in, a, in a bigger building that, and I was on the third floor and I can count on one hand the number of times I saw the principal on the floor, let alone in my classroom. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the kids knew who he was. My kids know me. They know who I am. They know me to see me. They, you know, the one thing that happens sometimes that does worry me is, especially we have little ones, we have pre-K and kindergarten is sometimes when I come in the room, they all rush up to me and they don't <laughs> like that because I don't want to interrupt what the teacher's doing. Right, so right. those are the things that are challenging, but that that's a big part of my philosophy. And I think every principal should do that. Mm-hmm. I, and regardless of the level, um, you know, middle school, high school, doesn't matter. Um, and I know, you know, really big building, you might not be able to get into every classroom every day, but if you make it a goal to spend some time in classrooms every day and maybe a rotation so that, you know, a couple times a week you're getting in everyone's room. I think it's, it's great to connect with the kids and see what the teachers are doing and understand you know, I haven't been in the classroom as a teacher in many, many years. How am I going to know what it's like to be yeah. a teacher unless I'm out there seeing it and experiencing it? What do you do while you're there? I mean, is there something in particular that you look for or? Um... Uh, it, it depends. It depends on the day, you know. So if I don't have a lot of time and I may be in the room for 30 seconds and just walk in and walk around, I, you know, uh, if I have a little bit more time, I may, you know, stand in the back. I, I, if I um, have some time, I, I'd love to leave the teacher a little note of, hey, I love the way you did this, or I like this, or great job doing that, those things. And I think those are very meaningful. I see uh, a number of teachers that have been with me for a while have those up on a wall somewhere. So I think that that means something to them. Um, you know, I peek over kids' shoulders. I might talk to a, a student if they're, you know, working independently, like, hey, what, what are you working on? Um, and those kinds of things. And it's just great to sit back and watch the magic happen with, like I said, I have, I have awesome teachers and watching them do their thing is, is pretty incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a, I, I use that information to share with other teachers too, you know, get into a, a conversation with a teacher in a, in a post-observation conference. And we're talking about something and I say, Hey, I was in this teacher's room yesterday and she, she did this. Have you ever thought of that? Oh no. Cause teachers don't get a chance to see the other teachers do their great teaching because they're teaching all day. They're working. Right. Right. Um, so it gives me an opportunity to share that information too. A couple of questions. Uh, first question, you made reference to other schools you've been at that have been pretty big. How big is your school? Uh, so we have, uh, between 350 and 400, uh, uh-huh. students. Now we're a pre-K to four elementary school. I have one full day pre-K and then I have three of every other, um, grade level kindergarten through fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, second question, just as you look across the years that you've been there, when you think about the work that you've done, what was maybe a surprisingly difficult challenge that you faced? You know, something you didn't think was going to maybe be as hard as it was as far as organizational change or school improvement. Um, and then how did you tackle that? Uh, so uh, the, 
the um, I mentioned to you early that when I got to my school, it looked identical to how it did when I when I got when I went to school there. Well, that's changed, and so we had a massive construction project. Actually, all the elementaries we we did a huge project. We had uh, we went from five elementaries to four, moved fifth grade to the middle school, and did construction on all four all at the same time. Um, and so that experience, we were had such a big project at my building that they moved the entire building to the school they were closing for a year. Actually, ended up being about fourteen or fifteen months, and. Um, I thought that was going to be a lot easier than it was. I thought um, I was winning, which, I, you know, in some ways, hey, I don't have to do the phasing in like these other schools have to do. We can go somewhere uh, to another building um, and, you know, not live through the construction, which we did. And we benefited from that. But when that when we made that move, um, I inherited some teachers from that building as well, because again, that building was closing. So I got some new staff that I didn't know and had to build relationships and rapport with them. I got a lot of new families that I didn't know because our, my size of my building went from 250 kids to almost 400. Mm -hmm. Um, so we added a lot of children. Um, and so that was far more difficult than I anticipated. I thought we were going to go into that and, you know, it was going to be a lot smoother and, and the challenges of being in a new, in a different building, not a new building, but a different building and all the, the, um, you know, relationship pieces and just the physical structure of the building being different and how we organize that so that we're doing things, you know, safely and all those things. So it, it, that was a, a bigger challenge than I thought. And, um, you know, how you tackle those things, um, stealing from a different mentor of mine, a former superintendent and assistant superintendent I worked for, he, uh, he would say this, and I, and I believe in this, whenever you're doing anything, you need top down and bottom up leadership. And so if it's just top down, just me, just something Matt wants to do, that's never going to work. Um, and if it's just bottom up, meaning you have a couple of teachers that really love something and want to do it, that's never going to work either because um, those, those things don't get mass appeal to everyone. So, but when you have both, that's when things really happen. So as we looked at making the changes and doing things we needed to do and adapting and adjusting, well, that all has to be done with top down, bottom up. So I got to be involved, but I also have to get the teachers involved and the assistants involved and get them as leaders and when they help lead the way and they're they're coming up with ideas and we're supporting each other that's how you work through uh th those kinds of challenges and come up with solutions that really are better than anyone could come up with better than what i could come up with on my own better than what they could come up with without me or without other folks so top down bottom up leadership i believe is yeah. is really critical when you're working through challenges yeah, i like that i've never heard that before but that's that's really great um matt we always uh come to a close in our podcast with a question that is kind of a strange one, maybe, but uh, we usually like to know from our guests, you know, if you could travel back in a time machine and talk to an earlier self and give an earlier self advice, uh, what would you, what would you say? What, what advice would you give? To yourself. To yourself. To myself. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a, there's a couple different points in time. I guess I might go go back to, but I, I guess I would select one that uh, sits with me a lot is, you know, when I was teaching, um, I look back now having gained many, many years of experiences and know all the things that I, that I could be doing better. You know, when you're a brand new teacher, you don't know what you don't know. 
Well, I know those things now. So I would love to go back to my, my old teacher self and share some of the things I shared with you about, you know, you know, building relationships and how important that, that those things are. And, um, you know, taking the time to, to do things better, engage children better, um, and, uh, you know, those are just things that as a new teacher, as a young teacher, I just didn't know any better. And I look back now and kick myself and, you know, cause I, I wasn't as good as I could have been for my students. So I guess, you know, if I had to go back, I'd go back to first, second year teacher, <laughs> Matt, and talk about the time that you should be focused on this and not that, you know, do this, not that this is more important than this and invest the time in this. Um, and, uh, and those kinds of things, um, because those are, I mean, they're not major regrets. I didn't do anything like totally stupid. I just didn't do things as well as I know now I could or should have been. And I wasn't as good for my students as I probably could have been. Um, but that comes with, you know, over 20 years of, of time in, 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 uh, in education. Yeah. And you know, Matt, by the way, we all wish we could apologize to our first year right. of, exactly. of students, right? Yes, 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 absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We know everyone is busy, and for you to take time out to talk with us has been a great gift. Thank you for sharing your expertise. Congratulations on not only being a Pennsylvania Principal of the Year, but the National Distinguished Principal, and uh, it has been a pleasure talking with you. Well, thank you so much. It's been a joy. I appreciate the time and uh, look forward to hopefully talking with you again someday. Yeah. Keep up the great work, Matt. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.